welcome to Fano Marama New Zealand International Film Festival podcast series for 2020. This podcast is a recording of a Q&A following the screening of Before Everest at ASB Waterfront Theatre in Auckland on Sunday the 2nd of August. Director Richard Rutherford is in conversation with Sally Woodfield. Welcome everyone, I hope you enjoyed the film. Richard, thanks for being here today and answering a few questions. Um, I'm going to ask a couple and then we do have a couple of mics in the audience so you'll just need to pop your hand up and a mic will come to you and you can ask your burning questions. Richard, um, this took 15 years in the making this film, tell us about that arc. Um, you, you started and you stopped and I get the feeling there's a, there was a bit of reluctance on your part. Yeah, um, really was occasioned by my sister, actually. She's the one that drove me down this path. Um, and it began, you know, many, many years ago with the book. And I was obviously not that keen, but thought that this, being a documentary maker, I could also see that there was an interesting story when the man on the five dollar note says those things, you've you've got a, the beginnings of a very interesting story. So I was half thinking, mm, I've got to do this. And on the other half, I was thinking I, I really didn't want to glorify my father because of my own personal relationship with him. So I went along for the first, I guess, few years of that trip, not really wanting to do it. And then the whole thing really fell apart when we didn't get anywhere. But my sister was um, fairly insistent. Um, and then actually, it, Many years later, a, a, a writer, Lynn McKinnon, wrote a book, um, Any Two for Everest, and I think that finally got us on the path to thinking excuse me, <clears throat> that there was, you know, I guess it gave us the confidence, me the confidence to finish it and think, you know, we, we should, I should finally make the story. So a number of you here have probably experienced <clears throat> the many years of it's been talked about. And, um, yeah, um, and, you know, it also what I talked about before is that realising that what Hillary had actually done was, was a real gift to our family to, you know, otherwise the photographs would have stayed in the cupboards and we would have just carried on, not really knowing, we're not really pursuing it any further and it turned into this wonderful adventure for our family, so you know, it was great. Do you feel, you know, because working with your sister on a film, how, how was that and do you feel, did it, did it bring you closer to your family, discovering, you know, walking in your father's footsteps, going through the photos, discovering all this material? Well, you know, we're all, we've all got those genes. So, the, <laughs> closer sometime, closer now, but there were some difficult moments where, you know, we all had our own ideas of what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing and who should do what. And, you know, Anna and I are both very strong-minded people like, our, like my father. So it wasn't the easiest um, journey, but it was, it was a good one. Did you find because because your your relationship with your father as a child and, and growing up was um, was a bit tricky I guess um, you've talked about that quite a lot but did you feel go, going through this process did you do, how do you feel about your father how do you feel about your father's memory now Well, it's all a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Fathers and sons, and how you kind of get along with that one. Um, you know, at the time, I had a lot of issues. Um, 
with, and you know, my father was obviously a very driven, difficult, uncompromising person, as were a number of mountaineers, and so that didn't make our relationship easy. And so I was, yeah, I, I, to begin with, I, um, yeah, I didn't want to do it, and I thought, why would I be glorifying this person who actually treated our family so badly in many ways? But you know, he had his reasons, and we also had the most extraordinary life because of his sense of adventure that he had. Uh, and then, you know, you, you get over that stuff, don't you? And you kind of realise that actually we ought to celebrate and we ought to actually really see what he did do. And that that was great, yeah. So by the end, I mean, you're well over that, you know. So, so you say you had, you know, you, through, your, through your dad you had a, um, an, an adventurous life. Do you feel that, you know, did you guys go off to the mountains and go climbing and... and how much did you know about your father's achievements as a child? Not a lot, you know. It was there sort of more expressed in his, you know, inc just insatiable desire for the South Island and the mountains of the South Island. He didn't take us climbing. He did that. He would go off with a group of mountaineers, my mother Chris and the Footloose fathers, and they would annually trape us off there. But he was actually focused on... We bought this... He bought this farm... Um, which just turned into the most extraordinary adventure of trying to keep the farm afloat and the, you know, our lives intact. Uh, and it was a big station outside Wellington that became completely absorbing. And you know, that was the most extraordinary adventure for our family, living there. So going back to the actual making of the film, we, we see you and your sister going through the process and, and you bringing together the climbers. Um, Tell us about some of the stories that they shared. I mean, we see some of that in there, but what, what got left on the, on, the, on the cutting room floor? Well, I mean, that was really what Anna wanted to do, and it was a good idea, was to tell their stories, you know, to, because they, that, that group of climbers were all a very able, talented um, group of climbers who, who went on to do, you know, quite extraordinary things. Norman Hardy, in particular, went on and became part of the first ascent of um, Kachinjunga, which is, <clears throat> I'm told, a harder mountain to climb than Everest. And they all, you know, had their bit to play. And it, it um, I don't know, we, we, we sort of argued and we could never quite decide whether we just wanted to go down the route of telling their stories or whether to concentrate on my father. And I think that really was the nub of the problem. I, you know, I... I did want to talk, tell their stories, but I also sort of was kind of bugged by the story about Hillary and what he'd said, and I thought that was the heart of the story I wanted to sort of pursue. But in terms of your question, what they... Um, their stories are, you know, hopefully, you, you get a sense of in this film that they're what they did, and they were poor university students after the Second World War. They had no resources, but they got out and went climbing in the, in the Southern Alps in all their holidays and weekends and went on these extraordinary long trips through the Southern Alps, climbing peaks as they went. In the particular, they, they got very, or certainly my father, but f excited by the Landsborough Valley and going down that huge valley behind the Southern Alps to the, in the West Coast. Um, yeah, it was the seat of their pants kind of climbing and sort of, it, it all kind of came to um, an interesting sort of um, point where Ruth Adams, who was the daughter of, you know, Adams Fruitcake 
family. She got injured with, I think it was Hillary. No, Hillary wasn't on that trip, but anyway, she was injured way up the top. I think it was La Perouse. She was, and they had to get her down, and the whole climbing fraternity came together, and I think that's where Hillary, Hillary went on that trip, my father, all sorts of New Zealand mountaineers. So, and then I think actually the Adams airdropped cake. <laughs> I like to think he did anyway, but it was one of those moments where it really, and then they sort of realised that they were pretty good climbers and they should, you know, maybe they should try going somewhere else. So um, there's, a, there's a part in the film, I actually really love this, the part in the film where you and the family all go to the Indian Himalayas and uh, are there in the shadow of where, where your father was and where a lot, of, a lot of, you know, what happened back in the 50s happened. How important was it for you to take that, go on that journey and, and what did that do as part, of, um, as part of your family and part of the film? Well, it's actually, it's quite an interesting personal story, that one, because, yes, it was fantastic to go there. But then it was, it was a bit like any two could go, because the whole family couldn't go. <laughs> and you can imagine what, what took place. It was kind of, <laughs> I, would, I couldn't bring myself to put it on camera, or my family would never speak to me again. But we resolved it. <laughs> so, 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 sounds like what happened back in the 1950s. <laughs> Yeah, it was, but no, it was wonderful. It was, you know, as you can see, it was just the most wonderful trip to go to go there and really see what they did and just be there. And it's not like I've never been to base camp, Everest base camp. It wasn't like turning up at base camp where there are just so many people going and it's become a major tourist trap really now. This is nowhere land where they went. There's nothing there. There's no villages. You may as well be on the moon. It was quite sobering to think how on earth did they cope with the resources they had back in 1951 to be wandering around this cold moonscape with very little of anything went wrong or nothing really to back them up. Now, anyone out there got any questions? Pop your hand up and we'll, we'll get a mic to you. Hello, thank you very much for that movie. I just loved it. What I would like to know is the name of the book because I didn't catch it quickly enough. It's called Any Two for Everest, and it's Lynn McKinnon, and it's published by um, Otago University Press. Any Two for Everest. Any, any Two for Everest. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Richard. This is Annie over here. Where is it? Other direction, over Where's the side. <laughs> thank okay. you for that. It was really Oh, Annie, yeah, I can see you now. A fascinating exploration <laughs> of family dynamics, but... You didn't really get to the nub of why that comment was made, but I just wondered if it was sort of mid-century, you know, emerging nationalism, guys competing, unpleasantnesses like that, that that were probably very common at that time of conquering. You know, it was around the world yacht, you know, races, it was up mountains. But did you, did you feel you ever got to the nub of why that exchange occurred? Well, I think for me it was an interesting moment when my sister says in the interview that actually it was more about Hillary than it was about Earl, that comment. You're talking about Ed's comment. Yeah, about, yeah. That it was more, wasn't so much to do with my father as to do with Ed. And I think, I mean, I was talking to um, the biographer, the, the final biographer of Hillary, um, the other one. What's his name? Tom Scott. 
No, 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 it's Tom's actually. Um, Gil. Um, anyway, he was saying that, um, you know, probably, you know, from his point of view, it was just one of those old men remarks that you kind of make and should, probably should be edited out of the book. Um, or maybe it goes right back to that long-standing, you know, bad feeling that kind of always existed but was but had somehow managed not to be sort of talked about all that time. And they'd managed, Hillary and my father had managed to get on okay, but they'd always, um, there'd always been a slight uneasiness until this, this came. But I mean, how, it's, it's hard to know exactly what it was, but there was a lot of bravado going on between that group mm. and there was a lot at stake. And I think the fact that, you know, my father and Ed Cotter and Passan climbed Mokopaiba and Hillary didn't that day, mm. kind of was a bit of a jolt mm. and something that possibly rankled. And something that struck me was his lack of generosity towards Tom Scott after doing all of that writing. Where's Tom? Where's Tom? He might want to say something. Oh. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> was he? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I just thought it could be a sort of almost similar attitude. Well, he, that's what Tom yeah. Scott yeah. said as much, mm. didn't he? Mm. Thank you anyway. It's great yeah. to see. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit more about that, that rivalry? Because a lot of that came back to the decision around uh, who would go on the trip, on the, the next exploration trip. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, obviously that was an incredibly difficult situation to resolve for them because, you know, two could go, they all wanted to go, they didn't have any any method or any sensible way of resolving it beyond pushing their own agendas. So in the end, I mean, my father was pretty determined from the outset. He'd organised it, he got them there, and he and Ed Cotter climbed, and he was going. Everyone thought, well, I don't know, that's not entirely true. Hillary was by far the most robust of them, although Ed Cotter was actually this extraordinary... Um, brilliant mountaineer who had, there's that shot of him um, actually going over the river in his hands, Did you, you know, he, he, had the, he had the best balance, but he was a gentleman, he didn't, have, he didn't have the kind of determination perhaps, so he sort of dropped out of it. George Lowe was extremely angry with my father because he and Ed Hillary were very close and I think he um, was determined that he should go, so that was something that never ever stopped that sort of bad feeling between those two. Um, but yes, give, give four mountaineers that opportunity. I don't know whether it would have ever turned out any other way. And the interesting thing, of course, is that Ed Cotter's son, Guy Cotter, has gone on to be one of our, our greatest adventurers and climbers in, in the Everest region. Yeah, I, lo I love that part of the story, that you know, he now is, one. I guess, our leading, one of the leading... Um, people in Everest who are taking all those trips and have gone up, gone there so many times. Um, and it's a nice arc to that whole story of, you know, although his father didn't actually get to climb it, his son has, you know, made a whole career out of that. We've got another question just down here. Hi, Richard. Hi. <laughs> just a question about the reconnaissance trip. So, uh, your father and Ed Hillary then go on and have this experience together on the reconnaissance trip. Did, did you get any sense that that played any part? And I mean, that, that what? As, that that played any? I mean, I would have thought two New Zealanders there with the Brits, they might have bonded a little bit. 
Do, do you mean Hillary and my father fell yeah. out there? Well, yeah, did, did that play any part I did, Well, actually, in interesting, what happened on that trip was Hillary, my father had been sick before that, and, the, and, the, and then Hillary got quite sick, so actually my father spent his, most of his time on that climbing with the British, and um, they did, and then Hillary later did, but they, they, he worked with the British, and you know it was difficult because the British didn't really have the kind of experience and the, that they did to get up there. But my understanding is that it was quite a pivotal achievement to work out that they could get up there. But where it really went wrong, and this is a trip that I don't even go into in this film, is that they all went to Choyo the following year when the Brits had, in 52, the Brits didn't have the permit, the Swiss did, and they did a sort of practice in Choyo. And George went on that, George Lowe and Hillary went together and my father, and they, they sent, effectively sent my father to the contrary, wouldn't talk to him because they were so angry, or George was so angry about it, that he, and then, then, then my father staged a mini rebellion against Shipton when he said he didn't want to climb Choyo. My father was saying, you've got to be kidding. We're going to try and climb it. So he blotted his copybook then. But it was that trip that really cemented Hillary's relationship and George Lowe's relationship with Shipton, because they went off after that trip and became the very, very best of friends, and then that garnered them the, um, the invitation for next year, even though, of course, Shipton was dropped and Hunt went, was replaced by Hunt. And, of course, you know, George Lowe marries Hunt's daughter. Thank you. <laughs> of course. <laughs> no, I mean, don't mean it like that. <laughs> Um, did you do you, you do you climb? Do your no, sisters no, climb? No, I'm not. A, I've got no aptitude for climbing. Although I'm a tramper, you know, but I'm, I've never really did it. And I, you know, and I went in the other direction certainly from my father. But Anna, my sister, is a not a climber, but does bits and pieces. And she's a she's a big outdoors person. Yes. Hi. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for that film. It was really extraordinary to see another side, a broader side of humanity, really. And my question is, did your father, it wasn't very common, I think, in my parents' days in the 50s, to speak about their feelings. Did your father ever speak about his fears or anything like that related to, must have been extraordinary to be climbing these sheer peaks and there must have been some emotion there. Did he ever speak about fears? No. <laughs> no. I mean, it was that generation, wasn't it? That was pretty buttoned down. And um, he, he was very courageous, my father, a very brave man, and was not phased by, you know, just stepping forward. And I think he just did it. That was the idea, you know. You just went on and did it. You didn't talk about it. Um, you went out and um, got on with it. That was that was how things were done. Hi, Richard. It's Lee. Thanks for that. Enjoyed it. Um, Is that Lee up there, yeah. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> um, Hillary family. Did you talk to the Hillary family? Have any feedback from them on this or any insights? No, we deliberately didn't go there because we really didn't want to. I mean, there's been an awful lot on the Hillary family and their story. You know, and and a lot of good documentaries and films made. We really wanted to, this to be about the others, the other yeah, side sure. of the story, and we, so we just decided to concentrate on that, really. Mm. And also, I think, 
We didn't want it to be a tit-for-tat, I say, you say, you know, we think this, you think that. It wasn't really about that. It was really just trying to look and see what else went on as opposed to what you think and what we think. Yeah. No, not that they would have been like that, I'm just, but that, I guess, was in our minds. Yeah, yeah, I get that, yeah, thanks. So what, what now for you, Richard? What are you, what are you moving on to? You've kind of done, done your family story, or your father's story anyway. What's your next filmmaking? I've got this crazy project I've had around for years, like that one, <laughs> about the dark, why people are scared of the dark. I was terrified of the dark as a child, and I've always found it quite a fascinating kind of area to explore. So into the dark now. Into the dark, and this is a documentary. It's not a no, not a horror. You're not switching genres. Well, <laughs> no, I might discover things though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Won't need won't need much lighting there. Yeah. Do you think? <laughs> Any other questions for Richard? Well, I'd like to thank you all very much for staying and having a having a chat with us. Um, wish you all the best for the rest of the afternoon. Thank you very much. <laughs>